we're actually moving into a new series, and I'm really excited about this series. Um, there's a new catchphrase going on. I don't know if you've seen it on Instagram or Facebook, but it's a popular phrase. It's a popular hashtag. It means exceptional. It means an anomaly. It means an outlier. It's something that's over and beyond Maybe you have seen an athlete or a high-end businessman or someone that excels in their field say this phrase. Um, when I think of this phrase, and it, it really irks me that I think of this person because I think of Tom, Tom Brady. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. If you're not a Saints fan in here, we'll pray for you after the service. No, I'm just joking. Tom Brady, can you, can you, what can you say? I mean, the guy, uh, I heard he played all last year on a new team won the Super Bowl and had a torn ligament in his leg. He didn't even put himself on the injury list. What can you say? The guy wins, right? He's exceptional. And this, this catchphrase that's going to be a part of our series, this catchphrase, write this down, write this down, built different, built different. I believe that you are built different. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14 that we are a peculiar people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're peculiar the Bible says in 1 Peter that we are chosen people, that we're set apart, that we are, we are royalty. And how many of you know when you give your life to God, God begins to make you exceptional. He begins to make you an anomaly. God does not create things that are just mediocre. God creates things that are excellent. God knew you before you were ever born, and he created you for a great purpose. And you have to know this today, that you, having a relationship with God, causes you to be built different. Built different. Look at your name and say, you are built different. Now, something that reminds me of this, you know, God always uses people in the Bible that nobody else would actually expect them to be used. You know, if, if you're here and you feel like, you're not qualified, you're actually in the right place because God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And if you feel like you are not measuring up and you're not at where you want to be, I'm here to tell you that God is a God that fills your gaps. God is a God that changes your name. He'll give you the correct identity. He'll begin to show you who you are and God has a great destiny for you. And so we're gonna start in Genesis 27 and just to give you the context of this, God actually calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and now we know that Jacob actually changed his name to Israel from God. God said, I'm going to change your name. Jacob was known as a surplanter. Jacob was known as a manipulator. Jacob was known as somebody that didn't have it all together. Can you kind of relate to Jacob every once in a while? Some of you, we pretend like we have it all together, but, uh, but you're not letting us listen to in the car before you came to church and you were yelling at your spouse and wanting to beat your kids, right? God, I am thankful that God said I'm not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. God said I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning I am the God of that in you that needs to be perfected as well. And so God looks at you and he knows the work that has to be done. We have done nothing that surprised God. And the Bible says that he's going to finish the work that he started in you. And Jacob was built different. Jacob actually did great exploits for God, but it didn't come overnight and it didn't come easy. How many of you know that success doesn't come overnight and it doesn't come easy? And God begins to build us 
so that we can have the character, so that we can have uh, the fortitude to really do what he's calling us to do. And I want to read this portion of scripture. It's actually 19 verses, so if you didn't get your Bible reading in, you can get it in right here, all right? Genesis 27, 1 through 19. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put it on the screen. Can we give them a hand in the back that's just on it? They're just on it. We're going to read in the New Living Translation. And we're, we're really set up where Abraham already had Isaac, and Isaac is an old man, right? Isaac is an old man. He's about to die, and he's about to give his inheritance. We know in that day that you gave your inheritance to the firstborn, and the firstborn would take all of the inheritance, meaning that they would take over your estate and everything that you work for. So the firstborn would take it over, and Esau and Jacob was Isaac's kids. Are y'all tracking with me? So you had Abraham, Abraham's gone, you have Isaac, he's an old man, and he's ready to give his inheritance. Now Esau and Jacob was born at the same time. They were like twins, but Esau was born first. So he was the firstborn. Jacob was the guy holding on the heel of Esau as he was coming out of the womb. So if you get a picture, Jacob, Jacob was kind of, uh, he, he, he worked the deal. He tried to make it happen. And uh, Esau was the firstborn. And we are here in Genesis 27, and something very peculiar happens. Can we read it? It says, one day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, my son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here to, for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son. Say firstborn before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to go hunt the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. Say two goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish and then take some food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Bless you instead of Esau. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. Esau had hands like, uh, like Steve. You ever shook Steve at uh, his hands? It's like rough, right? He was, Esau was like a, a man's man, and Jacob was like, he was in the kitchen a lot, you know? And so, uh, what if my father touches me, Jacob says. He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go and get the goat for me. So Jacob got the young goat for his mother. Rebekah took them, prepared the delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, say clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to the younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of a young goat. And then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, included, included baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. 
who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so that you can give me your blessing. So to show you what's going on, Isaac is ready to give his blessing, and Jacob is tricking his father under the influence of his mom, and he comes in, and he's dressed like Esau, he smells like Esau, and he wants to get the blessing on his life instead of Esau. Esau's actually out hunting, so he comes near, and, and, uh, and Isaac actually says, hey, come near to me. He said, you have the voice of Jacob, but you smell like Esau, and you feel like Esau. In that moment, Isaac believed that it was Jacob, took his right hand on, uh, on Jacob and blessed him. And when he blessed him, you have to know this, when the blessing goes out from the father, there's no reversing the blessing. So Esau comes back and he's like, hey, I'm ready for my blessing. And, 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 and Isaac's like, I already gave it away. He's like, what do you mean you already gave it away? He said, I gave it, I gave it to Jacob. And he said, I'm sorry, son, I can't do anything about it because once the blessing goes out and the blessing covers you and the blessing spoken, I cannot reverse the blessing. I cannot do anything. The blessing is already out. And I, I, want, to, I want to speak to you today a message called Built for the Blessing. Built for the Blessing. Write that back down. Built for the blessing. You might say, you know what, in that story, it's really, this is really not fair. How many of you would wave at me and say, that's really not fair? I mean, the guy got tricked. This is not fair. This is not a fair situation. And I'm here to tell you today that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not fair. God paid a price that we could not pay so that we can enter into what we did not pay for. And the gospel is not fair. It's actually really, really good news for you today and I believe today that God is going to begin to show you who God is in a different facet so that you know that the blessing is on your life you're gonna expect you're gonna expect the blessing in your life and you're gonna start to enter in the blessing in your life I'm already I'm already spitting this morning I'm sorry angel it's like coming out how many of you are ready to receive the blessing on your life today we're gonna to pray Lord we thank you for today we thank you that your word is true that your word is not antiquated, it's not out of date, but it's relevant for where we are right now. And Lord, I pray that today, that, that as I speak your word, that we will be able to comprehend and ascertain what you have for our lives today. Lord, I, I, I pray that everything under the authority of my voice will begin to bring fruit in life in this room today. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Wasn't that nice? Man, um, I'm, just, uh, I'm just so excited about uh, this city and what God is doing. And, and uh, how many of you know that when you begin to serve God, God will begin to bring you into places that you couldn't bring yourself into? That's the great thing about God. He begins to do things beyond what we can do for ourselves. And it really reminds me of a time, it was probably, I know it was over 10 years ago, Leah and I were, were youth pastors, and, and God was doing these extraordinary things in the, the nation of Peru, and so we had a connection over there, and we went over there, 
And uh, we just wanted to see what all was going on. Uh, we were youth pastors at the time. I think their youth group had like 30,000, 40,000 people there. And they were in a stadium, right? They were in the stadium. And we get there and we get in the stadium. And we're just these little youth pastors not really knowing what to do. And we're looking from the stands. And the guy spotted us that was running the thing, called us to come down. And he was like, hey, I want you to come with me. Now we're on the floor. I'm thinking, what are we doing on the floor? They have government officials there. They have the president of Peru there. They have all these people with all these titles and pedigrees. And I'm thinking, what the heck are we doing? They give us a VIP pass. I'm just wanting to be in the stands. I'm just wanting to like observe from afar. And all of a sudden he says, hey, come with me. So we go and we go to this back back room and the president of Peru is there and I am feeling a little uncomfortable at this moment like what am I doing here why am I here and the the guy that we knew was affiliated with somebody that was actually winning the president of Peru to Jesus in the moment and 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 all of a sudden they start they start getting up they're talking about the nation and and we're sitting down and we're about to have a meal and I'm thinking I would rather just serve in here than eat this meal and I remember the guy telling me you are a guest you're not here to serve right now you're here to receive you're here to receive and a lot of times in our lives we try to serve before we ever receive and we get burned out God wants us to receive his blessing first so that we have the energy to serve when you serve without receiving you will get in a trap called religion when you serve without receiving you will get in a trap called religion and religion is doing religious activities and duties to try to make yourself feel like you belong where you are how many of you know that you can't do anything to make you feel like you belong where you are because God paid a big price that we can never pay and so I'm sitting there, and I, it comes to my mind him saying, no, I want you to receive. I want you to receive in that moment. And it was hard for me. Remember the story of Peter, James, and John? He's with Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. And Elijah shows up, and Moses shows up, and Jesus is turning, turning uh, white. And all of a sudden, Peter is like, God, we need to build a monument. God, we need to do something. We shouldn't be here, but it's good that we're here, and we need to build something right now. And God pretty much was like, shh, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And I think that's really how we operate sometimes when we have a relationship with God. We would rather be the doer than the receiver. And really, we're doing things out of our own strength. And God wants to spend time with you, spend time with you. And everything we do from God, for God comes from that place. How many of you want to do things from God, for God from that place? Where we're not doing it out of religious duty, but we're doing it because we're in his presence, we're hearing his voice, and we're following after him. See, some of you, I'm looking around the room, some of you are A personalities, I get it. You want to do, 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 but the problem is if you do, do without receive, you're going to get burned out. And God wants you to be in a place where you're able to be comfortable with God receiving what God has for you and not be in this place where you think I'm not qualified to be in his presence I'm not qualified to hear his voice I'm not qualified to receive what the father has for me because you know what I've done you know where I've been 
You know the attitudes that I have. You know, and so instead of just sitting and receiving, I know I don't deserve it, so I'll just try to do religious activity to make myself feel like I've gotten myself there. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus paid a price so that you can receive the blessing in your life no matter what you've done and where you've been. And when we begin to see this, we begin to believe this, we begin to see this in a right perspective, God will begin to open doors in your life and you will feel the presence of God in your life like you never have before. Many people feel like they can only feel God when they're doing their devotional in the morning. Many people think they can only feel God when they go to church. Many people think they can only feel God when they're in a group and they're getting fed spiritually, but I'm here to tell you today that God ha will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's there in the moment. You could feel his presence in the midst of turmoil. You can feel his presence in the midst of joy and celebration. He is there with you. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. How many of you are thankful that God is with us? Yeah, give God a hand. And we see in this portion of scripture that Jacob gets this blessing. And at first, it con kind of seems like a scandal, right? But the Bible says in Hebrews 10 that everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of Jesus. So everything that we see here in the Old Testament is actually pointing to the person of Jesus and when we see the person of Jesus our faith explodes and we begin to feel his presence it's like Peter when he got out the boat he was walking on the water doing only what God can do in his life but he was looking at Jesus as soon as his eyes got off of Jesus he started to sink and God wants you to begin to focus on what he has done so that you can begin to do what you can't do on your own and so Everything in the Old Testament points us to Jesus, and we're going to look at this story and see how it's showing us a picture of what Jesus has done. Are you ready? Now, Isaac, in this portion of Scripture, that is the father that is about to die, represents Father God to us. You track it with me? He represents the Father. Now, Esau is the firstborn. Say firstborn. Esau represents Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of the Father. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus knew that he would be the firstborn that gave his life so that we can have an inheritance. Jesus is known as the firstborn. Rebecca, say Rebecca. Rebecca, in this portion of scripture, represents the Holy Spirit, represents the Spirit of God. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is always trying to get you to the Father? The Holy Spirit is always convicting you of who you are in God, who you are in Jesus, so you can get to the Father. And then you have Jacob. Then you have Jacob. Who does this represent? Jacob represents you and I. Jacob, the one that needs his name changed. Jacob, the one that doesn't have it all together. Jacob, the one that has a lot of work to be done. Can anybody relate to Jacob in here? Wave at me. Oh, only three people. Y'all are all Jesus' third cousins and stuff. We all can relate to Jacob. They're even waving me down in the sound booth. We all can relate to Jacob. Now let's see what happens here. This is, this is 
This is so interesting because when I read this part of scripture and it said that Rebecca told Jacob to go get two goats, it reminds me of something. It reminded me of something that I read in Leviticus. And you say, I read Leviticus before and it's a bunch of just gobbly goop. It seems that way, but how many of you know that everything points to Jesus? Now, this is what's significant about two goats. Rebecca told Jacob, I want you to get two goats I want you to cook a stew, I want you to go to the Father, and I want you to get a blessing. This speaks to us about something. Because in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, or the Day of Forgiveness, they would use two goats. Say two goats. Now, this was the day when the priest would pray for his sins and the nation of Israel's sins, and God would cover their sins, and they would use two goats. These two goats represents what Jesus has done on the cross for us are you tracking with me now the first goat was a goat called the scapegoat now this is really crazy right so they bring a goat in and there's two goats that are almost identical that are spotless and they would say okay this is the day of atonement this is when God is gonna forgive sins because back in that day God did not dwell with people he dwelled in the temple and God only dwelled in this place called the Holy of Holies. And so only priests could go into the Holy of Holies after rigorous assignments that they had to do. So God said, bring two goats. Say two goats. There was one goat called the scapegoat. And this is what the priest would do with the scapegoat. The priest would put his hand on the scapegoat. And he would believe it would signify that all of his sins is going into the goat. And they would take that goat off into the wilderness and it would plunge off a cliff and die. How many of you know that on the cross when Jesus shed his blood, not only did when they took him to the cross, they took Jesus, the scapegoat, to the, skull, to the place of the skull outside of the city. And when he shed his blood, it took our sins far away from us. The Bible says this, the Bible says this in, in Psalms 103, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Do y'all believe that? God is saying the same thing that happened to this goat, that it signified that all the sins went in this goat, and the goat went into the wilderness, the scapegoat, and died, that at the cross, your sins leave as far as the east is to the west. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. I don't know about you, but that's good news that God does not keep a record of wrong at the cross. God says, I'm removing your sins far away from you. And then they had the second goat. Say the second goat. Now the second goat represented not only forgiveness of sins, but they would sacrifice this goat, which represents what Jesus did on the cross. They would take the blood, put it on themselves, apply it in the temple, and it was only because of this blood were they able to go in the holy of holies where God dwelled. So in other words, this part not only are you forgiven of your sins but now you are made in right standing with God or righteous in God you say what is right standing with God have you ever seen anybody wrong standing with the bank anybody maybe some of you have been in wrong standing with the bank you know what it's like if somebody's in wrong standing with the bank because they can't get funds out the bank they're not they don't have enough 
credit. They're incredulous. They don't have enough credit, and they need somebody to sign for them to be able to get credit for the bank so they can actually go to the bank and get funds from the bank. I'm here today to tell you today that you don't have enough credit to go to God. You don't have enough credit. The Bible says that our works are like filthy rags. You have no credit to go to God, but Jesus paid a price and co-signed for you. Now you're in right standing with God and can go to God as his children. How many of you know that's good news? Come on, if you believe it, give God a hand today. If you believe that. Now this story shows us this. This story shows us how God not only took away our sins, but God actually made us in right standing so that we can go boldly to God. See, the reason why the priest did not go boldly to God, because if the blood wasn't applied appropriately, they would get struck down and die. Now, let, let's look at this scripture because it all speaks to us about getting in the presence of God. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, say boldly, enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain in the holy place. What is, what is he saying? He's saying because of what Jesus did on the cross, it made you right standing with God and you can go boldly to your father. Some of you in here haven't gone boldly to God. You might have gone to God sheepishly because of the things that you have done. And I'm here to tell you today, when you believe what Jesus has done to the cross, you can boldly go to your Father. You might say, you know what? I, uh, I don't feel qualified to get into this place with God, but God sees you as his child. And I want to give you an example today because Rebecca told Jacob, he said, go take off your garments and put on Esau's garments. Go take off your garments and put on the firstborn garments. Go take off your garments, your old life, and put on the firstborn garments. How many of you know that Jesus is the firstborn? Jesus is the one that, that deserves the inheritance. Steve, where are you at in here? Where are you at? Come on up, Steve. Let's give Steve a hand. He's always the guy that's down for an illustration. Now, if you can just wrap that around you, that represents, you represents, you represent Jacob. And, and Rebecca, the Holy Spirit, is saying, listen, man, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take off your garments, your past, your shame, your disappointments, all the things that are hindering you. I want you to take off this past, and I want you to go, and I want you to close your, clothe yourself with something else. I want you to clothe yourself with Esau's garments, the firstborn, and I want you to come now, not in your own ability or with your past, but your past is wiped clean, and I want you to go straight to the Father. See, not only at the cross does God get rid of your old garments, your old sin, your old stains, your past, but God will clothe you in who Jesus is, and you'll be able to approach the Father with boldness and with security. How many of you want to approach the Father with boldness and security? Let's look at this, Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10. It says this. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me, say drape, drape me in the robe of righteousness. 
Jesus has not only taken away my past and my sin, but he's also given me a robe of righteousness. Meaning, when I go to the cross, no, not only does God forgive me, but he gives me his nature. And God actually senses his son on me. Is that amazing? So when I go to God, he's not just say, seeing Evan. He's saying, hey, that sounds like the voice of Jacob, but you feel like, you feel like my firstborn Esau. You feel like my firstborn Esau. When we go to God, God recognizes who we are in our personality. But when we go to the cross and we receive what God has paid for at the cross, he does not just see us, but he sees us through the lens of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That God begins to not just see who we are, but he, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the righteousness of God. So next time you feel like you, you don't add up, you feel like you're inadequate, you need to out loud say that I am the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of my own effort, not because of my own pedigree, not because of my status, but because of what Jesus has done, it has made me the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, if we get this right here, nothing will be able to keep you from entering the blessing in your life. See, we feel it when we come to church, or we'll feel it in our time with God, but God wants you to feel that you're the righteousness of Christ in that boardroom when you have to make that decision. God wants you to feel like you're the righteousness of Christ while you're trying to discipline your children. God wants you to feel the righteousness of Christ when you are doing the things that God has called you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the righteousness of Christ. I love this because the, but what, what makes us, what makes us have this righteousness? What qualifies us? What is it? that gives us this righteousness, this robe of righteousness, this clothing of, what is it? The Bible says there is a secret that make this strong. What is it that makes you bold to come to God no matter your past, no matter what you've done, and go to God knowing that you're gonna get the blessing that Jesus deserves? What is it that makes us confident that when we go to God, no matter what we've done, that we're going to receive the blessing that Jesus deserves? It says in Romans 3.22, right here, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for everyone. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and falls short of the glor glorious standard. So God is saying this. This is the requirement of you being clothed with righteousness that you believe what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Your righteousness is not by what you have done. Your righteousness comes from what he has done. And when you truly believe what he has done, you will begin to step in right steps in your life. See, it is right believing that begins to bring right behavior. Because God wants us to have a heart transformation knowing what God has done on the cross and not rely in our own strength. See, when we try to live for God in our own strength and not rely on what Jesus has done, we will always fall short. God wants us to rely on what he has done in the cross in every area of your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says where you are weak, he has made you strong. 
where you are failing right now, God wants to make you strong by going to the cross. And what happened? Isaac was there. Isaac was there. And he said, hey, I hear your voice, but I want you to get close to me. And so the only confidence that Jacob had to get close to his father is that he was wrapped in his brother, the firstborn, close. And the Bible says that, that Isaac began to smell the clothes, and it smelled like Esau, and he blessed him. Did you know when you rely on the cross and you go to the cross, there's a fragrance that comes from you? I'll, I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. It says this. It says this in 2 Corinthians 2.15. Our lives are like Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. So when you rely on Jesus at the cross and you say it's not my works, but it's what you've done on the cross, I'm going to come boldly to you. Jesus says, man, this smells like my son. Jesus says, man, I sense my son. He's not coming in his own efforts. He's coming relying on my son. And when he was reminded of his son, he could not help but get his right hand put it on his head and bless him and the Bible says that the blessing that went out could not be reversed because it already went out and I'm here to tell you today when Jesus died on the cross he said a phrase that is significant he said it is finished it is finished Do you know what that phrase it is finished means it means it's already paid for so what we deserve, Jesus took on the cross what we deserve so that we can receive the inheritance that he deserves. We get the inheritance of the firstborn, and I'm believing for this week in your life today, you're going to go to the cross and know that your sins are forgiven. Not only that, but you're the righteousness of God. You're getting clothed with who Jesus is, and you're going to go to the Father, and you know that the Father senses his son, and you are going to picture yourself getting blessed all throughout the day. I want you to picture yourself, the Father blessing you in your morning, in your evening, in the midday. God is blessing you and speaking a better thing over you because the Bible says he's at the right hand of the throne speaking better things over your life God wants you to begin to receive the blessing so you can be a blessing I'm here to tell you today if you have a relationship with God you are built different you are built different you are built different I want to read this and I want I want the, the band to come and play if we can Romans 8 17 and since we are his children, we qualify, say qualify, to share all his treasures. How many of you are, are children in here? Wave at me if you're children in here. It says, because you are his children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are the heirs of God himself. Listen to this. And since we have joined to Christ, we also inherit. We also inherit. There's an inheritance for us because of what the firstborn has done, Jesus. We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Can we grasp this for a second? Can we, can we, can we not just uh, think of this as Christianese and really believe that because we go to God as his children, we inherit all that Jesus is and has? I don't know about you, but that's good news. 
that God has given you access, he has given you righteousness, he's given you everything that you need to get the blessing on your life. He requires one thing for you to believe what Jesus did on the cross. How many of you want to come into faith and believe that God is going to bless you with everything that Jesus has and Jesus is? Galatians 3.13, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, redeemed us, that we had a curse on us, but he redeemed us from the curse of the law that we might have the blessing of Abraham on our lives. I believe that we're going to come into a place that it is not rules, regulations, or steps. We come into a place and believe what Jesus has done on the cross, and we go to God with confidence as a child and receive the inheritance that belongs to us. I'm here to tell you that you have an inheritance. You just have to believe it. There's a story of an elderly woman that had a friend, and the friend, she didn't know it, but was a billionaire. And the friend died and gave his inheritance to this woman, and she actually framed the inheritance, put it on the wall, but she had very bad eyesight, so she never really knew what it meant. And before she died, living in a dilapidated house, living in very uh, minimal, you know, means, somebody comes over to the house that has good eyesight and said, do you know what you have on the wall right here? She says, no, my friend gave it to me, but he passed. And they told the lady, you have an inheritance, you have a will on your wall that you are a millionaire, lady. <laughs> You're living in a dilapidated house in a poverty-stricken way when you don't even realize what is in your account already. How many Christians, because we have poor eyesight and not seeing what Jesus has done, that the blessing is already stored up for us, but God is wanting us to realize that it already belongs to us, and we just have to access it. Thank you, man. I want to do something today, if you don't mind, because I'm doing great on time. I've got five, ten minutes. Are y'all ready? I want to take this process with you today. Can we apply this, not tomorrow, next week, but can we apply this today? Can we say, you know what? I've been trying to do things in my own strength. I've been relying in my own. And I'll, I need to start relying on what Jesus did on the cross. Y'all heard that? <laughs> like, man, what's that scratching noise? <laughs> and we're going to start to step into the blessing that God has for us today. Are y'all ready for that? The great thing about relying on Jesus, you feel his presence at another level. The, the, the anxiety that you have is going to be reversed into peace. The struggle that you have is going to be reversed into grace. Come on, the lack that you have is going to be reversed into abundance. The faithlessness that you have is going to be reversed into faithfulness. You're going to have promotion. You're going to have protection. You're going to have grace. You're going to have authority. You're going to have strength. You're going to have an abundance. You're going to enter into wisdom. You're going to enter into prosperity. You're going to enter into love instead of bitterness. You're going to enter into purpose because it belongs to you. And if we can today, if we can all stand up right where we are, I want to walk you through 
getting in the presence of God. And if we can have the band come on up and we're going to worship at the end here. How many of you want to just spend some time with God? Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. We're going to take the steps. And I believe that you're going to feel God's presence at another level. And God is going to begin to bless you. And you're going to begin to expect the blessing in your life. David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. How many of you know you're going to get what you expect? How many of you want to expect blessings in your life? Quit expecting devastation. Quit expecting lack. Quit expecting barrenness. Quit expecting the desert and begin to expect the promised land in your life. Because it's coming when you believe it. How many of you are ready to go to your father? Not with your own accolades, not with your own uh, efforts, but because of what Jesus did, the firstborn for us. If you notice, under your seat, there's communion. And communion is exactly what we're talking about today. We're saying we're going to rely on the cross so that we can begin to flow into God's presence. How many of you want to begin to flow in God's presence? I believe at Church 54, we're not going to be stagnant, but we're going to be flowing. Come on, somebody. We're not going to be stagnant, but we're going to be flowing. How many of you want to be flowing? How many of you want to be an overflowing Christian? Nobody wants to be stagnant. Nobody wants to drink from a stagnant pond. Nobody wants to drink from stagnant old milk. It's sour and it's nasty. How many of you know that we need to be flowing? You know, water consists of two elements. What is that? Hydrogen, oxygen. This is what God says. When you take my bread and you take my blood, it's going to become like rivers of water in your life. These are two elements that when you put together, you're going to feel God's presence. You're going to feel him with you. And when you're in God's presence, you know that he is, God is putting his hand on you and blessing you and saying, child, you have the blessing and you know that that blessing cannot be reversed, that you leave and expect, expect the blessing to come on your life. How many of you want to live that way this week? Let's do this today. If we can, we're going to take the bread. Before we do, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can we say a prayer for you? It's one prayer. And when you say, I want to give my life to God, it's believing that he died and he rose again. And it's asking him in your heart. Can we do that before we start this? Can we say it all together? If that's you today, with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you can say this after me, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And that you rose again I ask you into my life from here on out you are my Lord and my Savior Lord I thank you for everybody that prayed that prayer today I thank you that their sins go as far as the east is to the west they are no more not only that but they actually receive your very nature thank you that you're rooting them and grounding them in your love that they're gonna be built up in you in the name of Jesus the Bible says that when one person gives their life to God, all of heavens rejoice. With every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. Can you just slip up your hand? I see your hands in the back. I see your hands in the side. I see your hands. God bless you. You can put them down. Church 54, can we begin to just celebrate with heaven those that said, you know what, I've given my life to God. One, two, three. God, we are thankful for you. We love you. We honor you. Welcome to the family of God. And the great thing is, 
that you can take communion with us today, that communion is common union. We have a common union, and this is what is common about us. Every single one of us needs Jesus. The common denominator, you might not have the same ethnic background, you might not be the same, but you are this. When you begin to give your life to God, you enter into a family, and the family is the body of Christ, and you are actually being able to break bread with us today, which is saying, we're doing this together and not just separate. How many of you want to do this together? I believe God's going to cause us to fill his presence today, and God is going to begin to bless you starting today. And, and the first thing is we take this bread. You know, when you're younger and you do communion, I always like the communions with the saltine crackers because they taste good. This right here, it doesn't taste good, but it's for a reason. The bread back in the day had no season and it was unleavened bread because it represented what Jesus did on the cross. And how many of you know that that's not pretty and it doesn't taste good? And this says this, when we receive this, we say, God, we're receiving your word and we're changing the way that we think. We're, we're saying we are going to change our lifestyle towards your word. That's what real repentance is. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is changing the way that you think. So when we take this, we say, God, I know my shortcomings, but I'm going to begin to receive your word instead of my own thoughts. How many of you want to begin to receive his word? Can we take the bread together? Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. And today, we, we receive your word. We receive your direction in our life as we take the bread to, together. Come on, let's take the bread. I love that God doesn't just say, you know what, this is your shortcoming. And this is where you need to change. That's the bread. But he also says, I'm going to give you the grace to change. So not only are you repenting and you're receiving where you need to change, I'm going to cause you to receive my blood and it gives you the grace to change. I'm going to begin to do through you what you can't do on your own because my blood covers you, it cleanses you, and it changes you. How many of you know if you're going to start working out, you got to get on the scale? That's the bread. That's the bread. Thank God we have good food and some supplements that help us get there. That's the blood. Can we take the blood today? It's not in our own efforts. And when you take this, like we said earlier, your past is over, his grace is greater, and your future is brighter, and we're going to enter into the presence of God today. Do you believe that? Lord, we thank you for your blood, that it covers us, that it cleanses us. Lord, it is from your blood that we're able to receive. You are our righteousness. And Lord, we thank you that we can come boldly to you in your presence. Our past is over today. Say that with me. My past is over. Your grace is greater. My future is brighter. Lord, we thank you for the blood that you shed. Come on, let's take the blood today. Come on, let's enter into worship. And in this time of worship, just like Jacob came to his father and the father blessed his son, I want you to hear the voice of your father say, son, daughter, these things that you've been struggling with, I want you to begin to picture the blessing in your life. Can we do that today? Let's do that.